Hello and welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team, genuinely. Well, (laughs) Villa made it five wins in six on Tuesday with a 2-1 win at Leicester. Professor Unai Emery, are you a god? We'll get to that in a minute and later on I will dish up a salivating spicy question. Today, I'm joined by Paul Webb, who is co-chair of the AVFC London Lions. Paul, it's great to have you back on. All Villa, no filler. Yeah, thanks for having me, Frankie. What a time to be a Villa fan, mate. Absolutely. My goodness, the greatest time of any time, I think. Um, <laughs> now, uh, you were at the last Leicester game last night. You made the big journey up there. What did you make of the game? Um, I, I, It's just so, off, like, everyone's just so optimistic. Like, the fans were brilliant. And um, I think we talked a few weeks ago, maybe months ago now, and how there was a toxic sort of underbelly to the Villa fans, especially when we were passing it out from the back, mm. how quickly they were turning. I felt last night, everybody just seems to be bought into this journey at this moment in time. Yeah. Um, the fans were excellent. Like when they scored a goal, there was no real negativity I heard at all. It was um, And the <clears throat> Unai Henry, Clarence and Blue Army chants were just ongoing throughout the whole second half. So it was a real joy to be there it didn't feel like anybody was against the team at all it felt like as actually we're all coming together in a movement at the moment everything seems to be going well <clears throat> for the game itself frankie was a bit disjointed to begin with i felt neither team really grabbed control of the game in the first 15 minutes and it's really surprising to see teams so reluctant to press us yeah um, especially leicester who I know they've obviously changed managers and it was a fantastic time to play them because their planning must have just gone out the window in the last 48 hours. But if you recall the home game, they led to, what was it, at least two errors from pressing, the high press, Mm. and they got goals from that. Against Chelsea, there was that little error from Kamara, which led to a chance as well. We seem to be there for the taking a little bit if you press against us. Mm. So it absolutely staggered me with how we were just able to relax, take our time on the ball, and just we were able to just grow into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a little bit fortunate with an early corner where they missed an absolute sitter at the back post. Yeah, If that goes in, it's a different game because the whole chat before the game was uh, if we can just weather whatever, their, their fans will be buoyed by a new manager or uh, the sacking of Rodgers. They, they realise they need to support the club and there'll be a little bit of a gung-ho style to Leicester just quieten that down and then if we can get on top we could easily win this game 2 or 3 nil. was a general consensus beforehand and yeah. then Watkins does what he does in every away game almost every game at the moment <laughs> takes his chance so well and then I felt we were really going to dictate the game and I've got to give credit to Barnes's goal I thought that was sensational fantastic goal like, that was world class like you're watching that you think oh well Maybe if Matty Cash had been playing, they hadn't. Have, they wouldn't have targeted Ashley Young as much as they did. Mm. But the actual goal itself, what was it? Three touches from the ball into the back of the net. Each one of them was perfection. Like his yeah. touch from bringing the ball down, got it out of his feet, and the finish was, yeah, world class. And you saw just in the away, and you're going, oh, fair enough. That is brilliant. Like you just got to hold your hands up. But like I say, nobody turned on the team in the away, and everyone was supportive. And then the second half, again, I thought Leicester were going to come out and go for it. But we were just in complete control of the ball throughout the whole game. Sending off was stupid. I think, having watched it back, I think they were saying he was about to be substituted. 
Yeah, he was. Yeah. Also, clearly the manager uh, or assistant manager um, felt that like he was in danger of getting that red card. It was just uh, both of them were just silly challenges, weren't they, on Ashley Young? So, and as soon as we went down to 10 men, the chat in the away end was getting a little bit nervous at that point because we <laughs> haven't been great against Timmy. Oh, now this is definitely typical Villa to waste this opportunity. But again, we were just so patient. Yeah. And the fans weren't getting on the backs. They were slow, methodical. Uh, and you just always felt like there was a big chance coming. What we didn't think was Traore was going to score an yeah. absolute worldie for a very place pass to Leicester. And then obviously the scenes when it went in was just amazing. Like, oh, uh, what did the crowd just go? Was it everybody jumping? It was just absolutely running? mental. Like, because <laughs> it was just a build up. It was just a build up. It was like, I think what he got sent off in the late 60s, was it? Like 65th minute? We, they were down to 10 men roughly. It's maybe about, about yeah, 70th maybe. So yeah, somewhere around that area. Yeah. So you're thinking, right, the next 15 minutes or so be patient and then it's got to about 87 and we are running out of time here and then so it's a bit like this could be a real rate wasted opportunity because 10 men against a team so near the bottom you have if you want to get into europe which i know we'll come on to you have to win those games you have to we haven't got many lives left because of how far behind we were when we started this run so you have to take those opportunities so the pure relief at the the Chiori wonder strike, which oh, it was just absolutely, it was one of the best away days moments I've had. It was just brilliant. Um, oh, wow. And then I must admit, I wouldn't mind getting your take from watching it on the TV, Frank, on the penalty, because mm. we were all very, very confused in the away yeah. as to what was going on. Because firstly, it came from a free kick, which I'm pretty certain the referee gave to us. Right. And then he overturned his decision. And then the next thing I did, I looked up and they've got the free kick. So I that whole moment of being the awarded the free kick, which I think was a foul by Duran. Mm, um, we'd got the free kick and then we turned around and it looked like he changed the decision. So being in the stadium, that bit got bypassed us. We didn't quite know what had happened there. Yeah. And then the, the actual penalty was right at the other end. And we just saw Mings and Watkins hugging each other, thinking, oh, that must be a brilliant save and then, or brilliant denial. The next thing I know is like the Villa players were just crowding the referees. Yeah. And you don't get to see it in the stadium. So obviously I've watched it back, but... That whole five minutes, just about every, like nobody knew what was going on in the stadium, and then yeah. the relief of when it was overturned, and then we thankfully just saw the game out after that. It was just yeah, a fantastic away day, mate. Yeah, it's um, it it did feel like there was a bit of um, it was a bit all over the place in that last sort of five minutes. But I think the thing that says you know, you think of Villa at the past, they've got we've gone against teams that have gone down to ten men. And the amount of times you watch Villa in recent years and thought, we're just not going to do anything against them. We're just going to pass it around a bit passively and maybe the odd near chance here or there, but we just won't get a winner. Whereas against Leicester, you just felt we're going to, we're going to find a way here, I think. Yeah. Um, and then uh, as well, you know, like that sort of that last five minutes where, you know, Leicester had that, uh, that it, it was never a penalty, never yeah. in a million years. And you could tell the way the players reacted, you knew I'd, I think this. Uh, let's see the replay of that. But I think, um, uh, you know, and then, but it's that kind of the pressure that Leicester were putting on again in previous years. You'd think Villa would probably, you you wouldn't bat them to hold out. You'd think no. they'd probably, you know, give away a likes goal or whatever. Yeah. But it 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 just feels, and you know, I went to the Chelsea game the other day as well, Stamford Bridge, and right from before kickoff in the concourse. The atmosphere was absolutely electric 
And um, it, it goes into what you said about the Leicester game. It was like the fans were fully invested in it. And that's exactly what I thought. I thought this to me feels like fans who see there's an idea taking shape on the pitch, have bought into whatever this philosophy is that Uno Emery has. And it almost reminds me a little bit of when you hear Arsenal fans when they watch, you know, Arteta's team now. Like there's there's yeah. a really excited atmosphere at Arsenal, which is traditionally a bit quieter. Newcastle fans this time last year, you could feel the momentum picking up. So it just feels like a lot of things are going in Villa's favour at the moment that are leaving us fans just with so much to to be excited about. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It is exciting. Interesting you should mention the concourse. I should call out. So Leicester away last night, they had an issue with the tills or something. So before the game, all the bars were shut. (laughs) The only thing they were serving was water. (laughs) The atmosphere that you normally get and you see all these uh, um, social media videos of people jumping around wasn't quite the same because everyone was a bit like, oh, I can't have my beer or what was going on. So Throwing pints of water in the air. Everyone was just basically (laughs) going to sit in their seats. Oh, right, so this is what a stadium looks like before the kickoffs. (laughs) It was quite a strange one, but you're absolutely right. I think that's a really good comparison as to uh, especially Newcastle and the Howe and Arsenal because I think... We have got a plan. We have got the right manager in at the right time. Yeah. And let's not forget, Frank, he's not, other than Moreno and Duran, he didn't really do much in January. So what I think, no, we don't know what's going to happen between now and the end of the season as to where we're going to finish. What Emery's already done is shown the owners he is a world-class manager. Look what he has done with a squad that was faltering, heading towards a relegation scrap under Gerard, ultimately the same squad in the main. And look how he's transformed them. Mm. He will be telling the owners that if you back me this summer, I will take us to another level. And he's already in that this run has for me enabled Emery to go into the summer transfer window, being able to get backed fully. And I'll be absolutely amazed that these owners have been sensational since they've come into Villa. Yeah. This will be the summer I think they'll go really, really big. That might not mean marquee signings it might be Emery wants five or six squad players but whatever Emery wants assuming that we can get the players aligned they will back him big he's he's already proved his worth in this run and that for me leads me to a very exciting future because he is just genuinely quite clearly a world-class manager you can just see the emotion to the players at the end last night they've already bought into it you had subs running on who didn't get any game time Carlos was on the pitch last night giving it the big ones to the fans. Everywhere it feels like everybody's bought in. Like you say, you see when Arsenal over-celebrate as they do with every single uh, goal they score. But it, you can just tell at Arsenal, everybody's bought into Arteta's plan and mindset yeah. all together. Uh, and it feels like that is happening at Villa. You don't, I don't yeah. remember, obviously winning helps. But I can't think of any player who's coming out with any negativity. It doesn't feel to be any like the bomb squad guy, like all that sort of talk yeah. is well out the window. Whereas under Gerard, there was too many negative little things just leaking to yeah. the press. And at the minute, Emery's got that completely under control. So yeah, it definitely should be optimistic at this moment in time. And it, yeah, and it felt like players were kind of ostracised almost deliberately sometimes under Gerard. Um, yeah. you, you look at it now and you think there's some, you know, let's say like Luca Dean, who's had Alex Moreno come in, you know, um, in in January, and you would think a lot of players wouldn't react well to, you know, the idea that they have to have this competition now. And sometimes some managers would say, well, Moreno's my man now. Luca Dean's never going to see the pitch again, you know. Yeah. But instead, 
he he seems to play everybody. Everybody gets a chance. Yeah. If they play well, they tend to start. Um, it just feels like he's he know he's just touching it. He's pushing all the right buttons, basically. I think for all the players, and you can see they're bought into it, and you can see that also in just everybody's form and confidence. Because I can't think of a single Villa player who's playing poorly at the moment. No, um, and I think uh, two two players have stuck out to me. I thought Emi Buendia was really good and was finding the gaps that I thought if he get there's going to be an occasion where if he gets the ball at the right time he'll he'll get he'll get a through ball and it I know it sounds a bit like I'm saying this in the in hindsight but I, I did actually say at the time and then lo and behold he goes and puts a through ball to Watkins yeah. and a fantastic goal from a player again like Watkins who's in amazing form but also John McGinn yeah what did you make of him yesterday uh, well not just yesterday I think he's it's, it's a really odd one, isn't it? Because he was always a great player for us in the championship. And when we first came out, everybody loved him for what he did. But he did go off the ball. And yeah, he uh, did, yeah. I don't know if it was the captaincy, Gerard, something about it. He he lost his way. I don't know if it was because he was playing in three or four positions. But under Emery, he's, he's not always playing in the same place either. But in the last seven or eight games, he's been... Because when Kamara plays, he has a slightly different role to last night when Kamara's not playing. Mm. So he's been asked to do subtly different things. But he's just found something again. And he's actually... To be fair, I always thought he probably isn't going to be good enough to go to that next level. But... yeah. Credit to him, in the last few games, he's showing signs of a player that would be more than competent to go up. I don't, ever, I don't think he'd ever be like a Champions League starter or anything like that. I think he's yeah. probably um, a top six sort of level. But for him to turn his season around like he has done and almost playing man of the match the last three or four games in a row, it's truly remarkable. And he just is dictating the game. Like the way he gets the ball, there was a lot of things driving through him. And interestingly enough, he was the one to try always saying, don't shoot last night. <laughs> yeah. He's saying that because he understands what Emery wants. He wants that patient game. He can find the ball just as much as anyone else's. And his ability to track back has always been there. And I just think it's a real, he probably is the player that summarises Emery's time in charge more than anybody else. It doesn't mean he's been the best player under Emery. You can just see a player that has managed to change his attitude around, change his drive and change his form and has really bought into the whole ethos around the club. Mm-hmm. Again, it's sort of been reborn under Emery. And yeah, I just think he was excellent again last night. And I think when we were looking at it a few weeks ago, he was probably the name that everybody was thinking, oh, we need to replace him in the summer mm-hmm. in terms of those third, like the, the, the normal starters. Uh, whereas now he's done playing so well he's almost making himself undroppable and that's only credit to himself and I thought last night especially when we were up against 10 men he just wanted the ball all the time he was always receiving the ball yeah. with, his, with his beautiful bottom <laughs> pushing out any midfielder and he just creates so much space and then it's allowing Dougie Louise to be in more spaces when Kamara was there it allows McGinn's but it just is working at the minute and, and McGinn is the, the if you want to look at how Villa's season should be summed up just look at McGinn's performances from start to where they are now and the levels that he's reached are, can only be down to the coaching staff and Emery, not whatever they're doing behind the scenes. It's just truly working at the minute. And, uh, you know, Traore as well uh, as a player who got sent away to Turkey. You mm. know, he, he was effectively told, you're done. Um, and then he, he comes back, you know, yesterday and scores an absolute worldie of a goal. And uh, I think... 
he's always been capable of that, hasn't he, Traore? Um, he's, he's not... It's similar to Bailey. He's, he's not the most consistent sort of winger in the world. But, um, God, I mean, when that goal went in, like... <laughs> well, genuinely, <laughs> did you just lose it? Yeah. I, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just because it, cause it came from a bit of a frustrating period where we were getting the ball. Frustrating in the sense of it... we. When you're against 10 men and how deep Leicester was sitting, mm. ball was going out wide to Bailey, going out wide. And they were never, a winger much prefers, not that I was ever a winger, but a winger much prefers to receive the ball when they're on the run and take a man on. It's so hard for a winger to be stood still and just beat a man. And because of where Leicester was and where we were camped, every time the ball went out to Bailey, every time the ball then went out to Chiori, they were almost stood still because they couldn't be offside and then facing up to their uh, defender, whether it's a left back, right back, wherever they were, and Leicester were just in that shape. They weren't going to lose their shape. So it was really hard for the wingers to shine. And then we just had a passenger play where we just lost the ball. I think it was Ndidi just decided to pass it to Chiori. And he, that, like, just I've watched it back about 10 times. He's got absolutely no right to be shooting. (laughs) That is set a very, very clever player because the keeper's actually miles off his line. Mm. So he's got quite a bigger bit of the goal to aim for. It's just really, really clever play executed by a man who we've seen glimpses of it, but not enough of it. But yeah. I think for me, what was really, really nice to see is how the other players reacted at the full-time whistle. Like yeah. He's come back, like you said, come back from Turkey. And you would have thought from the outside that he's not really going to be part of Villa's future. And he's not really part of the camp. But going back to that point I made, like, there's no bomb squad anymore. Everybody feels part of it. The scenes at the end of it, McGinn running him towards the away fans, Martin really? him up on his shoulders and celebrating in front of the fans. It genuinely felt like there was a lot of love for him. Yeah. Almost like we, we have seen what you've been through. We've seen what you do every day in training. You very much deserve this. You are part. And it felt like that was just their way of showing you are part of this squad. Yeah. You are very valued. What you've just done tonight could be huge for yeah. years to come and it shouldn't be underestimated. And and it was McGinn who grabbed him at the halfway line. And you see, do you remember when Grealish did it with El Ghazi when they joined the COVID season at Waterway? Yes. He sort of ran over yes. to where the away fans would have been because they're like, Let's, I don't care if this is COVID. This is a last-minute winner against a rival. Let's go over to where they're away. Like, and Grealish was very good at related to fans. And McGinn did exactly that. Mm. Pulled him over. Then Martinez just had to get involved and started lifting up uh, Traore on his shoulders. And stuff <laughs> like that. Um, but it just it really showed to me, I came away thinking that is a really, probably the most well-organised together team I've seen since the promotion season and the Smith where yeah. it's like at this moment in time, everybody is happy to be whatever role they play. And Chiori is the prime example. He doesn't get much time. Maybe he's going to start at the weekend after last night. Who knows? But everyone feels like they want to be a part of it at the minute. It's just, I'm just so excited. Frankly, it's a very <laughs> good time to be a bit of fan. It's, it's incredible. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. I was just talking about this you know, earlier. I was like, who? When was the last time I felt like this? I mean, obviously the 10-game winning streak, but even that, it was in the championship, you know? Mm. It's, it's like, you're sort of always in the back of your mind thinking Villa shouldn't be be here in the championship, as, as arrogant as that sounds, but that's what I believe about Villa. I think we are a Premier League team and always should be. But, uh, you, know, I, you know, at the moment, it feels like every game we're going into, I just kind of think, I think Villa are going to win, which is, again, mm. a really unusual feeling. And I look at Nottingham Forest this Saturday, who are poor away from home. Um, 
I mean, I just look at it and think, I think Villa are going to win, which it's just not a feeling I would you normally have, particularly since we've come back to the Premier League. I'd, I'd kind of normally be thinking, well, how can we, you know, draw this one nil-nil or, or somehow allow Brennan Johnson to score a, a, a winner of some kind? Um, mm. But, I mean, how do you feel going into the Forest game? Very similar. However, there's always that tinge of being a Villa fan. You think, well, this can't last. Too <laughs> yeah. And it's coming up as if anything was scripted to be typical Villa. It's coming up against the worst away team in the league when you yeah. are on your best run of form. <laughs> scored in every game and Emery and you'll lose 1-0 to a last-minute Gibbs-White penalty or something. But <laughs> um, it'll be a very, very... T- so the fixtures... And this is why football's so brilliant, right? You can play a team like Forest in like January or February time, where the end of the season's miles away. They're at that moment time, they don't feel like they're too much of a scrap, and it could be the perfect time to play a team. Mm. All of a sudden, the end of the season is the worst time to play a team near the bottom because the realization of the doom has hit them and they start turning out world-class performances look like less than the season before they went down were a prime example of realise that it's now or never and then just found the rhythm. Mm. So there's a lot of dangerous fixtures coming up. Uh, when you first look at them, you think, oh, that would be a nice fixture. But every, it is really dangerous this this week game at the weekend. They are desperate for the points. Yeah. They probably, if they were to go on a really good run to continue their really good home form, which to be fair to Forest has been excellent, that could alone keep them up. Yeah. But you sort of think they're going to have to start picking up points away from home if they are going to survive. And I'd always think, regardless of our form, I think Villa Park is such a generous place. We're yeah, away. We're not, it's not a fortress. Um, I think the fans are excellent, but it's not a real intimidating atmosphere. The dressing rooms, everyone talks about how fantastic they are. It's a very welcoming environment to play football. Mm. So I would always think if I was an away manager, I'd always target Villa Park. And regardless of our run and where Forest are, they will be targeting this as a genuine opportunity to pick up points. So it's going to have to be, we're going to have to play really well. But the good thing now, Frankie, is if we play to our best, I've got absolutely no, and we're not far off playing it either. It's not yeah. like one of those. Oh, well, if we turn up to this game, we are, if we continue the way we're playing, then we should we should win this comfortably. There's no, there is a golf between the two teams. If they both play to their best, there's a big golf. So, yeah, and I'm glad they played last night. So it's not like they've had any extra days rest or anything like that. So both teams will be a little bit jaded. They've got some big injuries out as well. So yeah, I, I'm confident, but at the same time. I just sort of think this run has to end eventually and this almost has that uh, Hollywood script to it that this is the fixture that it will come do. But yeah, I actually think, yeah, I think it would be a comfortable 3-0 win to be honest with you, mate. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for this. Webbo and I could be on the brink of a dramatic fallout in this, the spicy question. And today, Webbo, I ask you, it's a topic that came up in a Villa WhatsApp group that we're both in. Do you buy the argument that Villa getting into Europe could actually be a bad thing? No. (laughs) (laughs) We we agree, so we're not going to have a big fallout there. I... 
cannot see a single argument for why why that that could be the case. If people are worried that it's a season too soon, we need to build the squad. They're talking absolute nonsense. You have to look at the league table and think to get into Europe because I think Brighton will finish in the top six. They've got two games in hand, so they're then they're a very very good team. So you're then thinking oh, we are competing with Liverpool mm-hmm. and not being not being dismissive of Brentford and Chelsea, but it, you are having to finish above Liverpool and Chelsea this season to get in the top seven, assuming Newcastle, Brentford, uh, sorry, Brighton stay there. We all know Chelsea are going to spend astronomical money in the summer because they're a crazy club. They will hire a new manager. They will improve next season. Yeah. Liverpool, I know they're a bit more constrained on their spending, but they will improve next season. There's no way Liverpool are going to become a mid-table team. This is a one-off poor season. Jurgen Klopp will not stand for it. They will improve next season. So that argument that says we will improve next season, which I think we will. However, we've then got to leapfrog again, Chelsea. Well, they will not be this bad yeah. next season. Tottenham will not be in this bad a position next season. I don't buy that we could catch them, but they are leaking points for fun and they are an absolute disaster of a club right now. But all these clubs will be better next season and they've got a far bigger foundation to build on than what we have in terms of where they are. They're having a poor season. If they click, you wouldn't put it past Liverpool or Chelsea still to put a 10-game winning one together because they are still got littered with quality. Mm-hmm. So for us to assume that there we can finish above them year after year is such a huge jump. You've got to take an opportunity when it's in front of you. And we've earned the right to be in this position now with this amazing run that we're on. We have to push through it this season. Have to push through. There's so many parameters that are out of our control for next season. But that top six is so hard to break. Yeah. So if we and Brighton and Newcastle can all do it in the season, that is a bit, that's huge. So, yeah, it, we have to take the opportunity this season because anybody who thinks we could be better off waiting is absolute nonsense. And also, you've got to think about the opportunity it provides us. We're talking earlier about Luca Dino and Marina about that rotation. Hmm. You can bring in those players that Unai Emery wants, and you can rota- rotate them sensibly between European football. It, it helps just build the team so well, and he can easily manage a, a squad. He is the expert at European football. He knows how to get the best out of a, a squad when playing in Europe. So the opportunity, if it's there, which we've earned the right to be, there is absolutely no brainer. It, you, it, there is no benefit to not qualifying in Europe this season. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's just, what? why delay it? Why wait? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's just, um, as you say, like, you know, Unai Emery's here now. He might not be here forever. You know, and uh, his expertise and his past brilliance has often been in the, you know, the Europa League, really. He's won it four times. And a Champions League, he's got to semi-finals with Villarreal. So you look at Villa and think, if we did get into Europe, I'm amazed I'm even talking about this genuinely still <laughs> now. I cannot believe these this idea is in my head. Um, but seeing us now in seventh place in the Premier League, the, the relegation zone just grew, didn't it? The relegation yeah. point, so it's up to seventh now. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's just unbelievable. It, it it really is. And 
Um, so I think that, you know, some might argue that, you know, you look at West Ham, it did distract them that UEFA Cup Europa League run last year. I don't think it did. They did all right in the Premier League as well. And mm. it attracts players. It, um, you know, gives you the sense that you belong at a higher level again. Yeah. Um, and uh, as as I say, you know, Emery's not here forever and it can't always just be next season. It can't always be, it has to be, now really uh, you just got to get on yeah. with it and like you say you know Newcastle I think have got quite lucky in the sense this year they've had three major even Man United you could say four four major clubs that have not really performed at the level you would expect in Liverpool yeah. Chelsea Tottenham and United um, and Newcastle taking advantage of that Villa next just as you mentioned you know those clubs they're all going to be better next season most likely think- this was my biggest frustration, and it's still frustrating me now because you look where we are mm. uh, and considering how it started. But because this season had the World Cup into it, it was always going to throw up a few surprises. Mm. Um, and it, um, so there was always going to be a team that perhaps were above where you would traditionally think they should finish because the World Cup would benefit certain teams more than it would others. Yeah. So this was always going to be the season where something strange could happen uh, in that sort of lower, like that mid-table type area. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Newcastle, fantastic. Well done to them. They took the opportunity and continue to do so. And Brighton are continuing to do so as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said that opportunity won't be there next season. Those big guns will not accept. Uh, Chelsea and Liverpool will have so much trouble for not being in the Champions League, assuming Chelsea don't go on and win it, that they their mantra as a club will be right, we have to get back into the Champions League. So they will be going full guns blazing to get it. So, I, yeah, I just think this opportunity could take years to come again. Obviously, I hope that we progress next season and it becomes the norm, but you have to be realistic that it could take a long time to get back into this position. So why not just absolutely go full guns blazing, which he will, by the way. There's no doubt that Emery's thinking, oh, this will be better next year. And there's absolutely no question about Emery's fully focused on getting it. He's even starting to mention it in press conferences. It quite clearly is on his mind. He's gunning for it. And don't don't know if I'm confident that we're going to get there. Mm -hmm. It's still a lot to ask for the team to continue on this run. We had so much to do to get to this point. Mm. I think we're going to finish a little bit short, but um, yeah, I, I think we've just got to go for it. Go for it. And uh, so, Webbo, uh, you are um, part of the London Lions, as am I. Yeah. Uh, before we wrap up, if you could just let people know who are watching and listening, how can they get involved with the London Lions? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got various different things. We're ultimately a fan club where you can come and watch games in London. There's a, a pub near Elephant and Castle, which shows the games as well. Most Almost all games are on. So I think the Forest game will be on this weekend. So if you're in the area and you fancy coming to Elephant and Castle, uh, come down and watch it. It's a place called the Tap Inn. Uh, and then also we have a football team, which I run, and we play more or less every other Sunday, every Tuesday. So if you ever fancy a game of football wearing the mighty clarity in blue, then contact Frankie via this his various channels and we can get you uh, into the squad straight away. And we welcome anybody along. It'd be fantastic to keep growing. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, Frankie Maguire. Catch you in a bit, Webbo. See you later, mate. And goodbye from me. We'll be back again soon. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa.